I am Jim Collison, and this is Gallup's Called the Coach, recorded on December 1st, 2022. Called the Coach is a resource for those who want to help others discover and use their strengths. We have Gallup experts and independent strength coaches share tactics, insights, and strategies to help coaches maximize the talent of individuals, teams, and organizations around the world. If you're listening live and you don't see the chat room, there's a link right above me to it. Click on that. Join us and chat with your questions. If you have questions after the fact, you can always send us an email, coaching at gallup.com. Don't forget to subscribe to Call the Coach on your favorite podcast app right over there on YouTube so you never miss an episode. Robert Gapsa is our host today. Robert is a workplace consultant with Gallup out of our Atlanta office. And Robert, always great to have you on Call the Coach. Welcome back. Well, thanks for having me, Jim. It's so good to see you. Um, we don't get to see each other enough, not even in person as much as, as even even through uh, through our screens. But um, thanks for having me. This is yeah. uh, this is exciting. Good to have you. Last time we saw you, was, it's hard to believe, was two years ago. We were spending time talking about building strengths-based cultures. You and I did a five-part series on that, and it, it was good. It was a good time. We refer to it often. It's been one of those series that if people ask, like, how do I do this? I'm like, hey, we have a five-part series for you. And so uh, so thanks for doing that. You're, you're busy enough. You're hard to get on here. But give us a little idea, what, what just so folks can catch up with you. One, tell us your top five, and then uh, let us know what you've been, what you've you been working on. Sure, absolutely. Well, I lead with ideation. Uh, I, I always consider that the spoke of the wheel because there's not much that happens without that being at the center of things. Um, I, have, I have woo number two, futuristic, uh, strategic, and maximizer. And I always say not, not very far behind all of those uh, are my communication, adaptability, uh, self-assurance uh, relator, and um, of course, competition. And what, what's been keeping you busy? Are you working with the leaders these days? You know, um, there's no doubt. I mean, there's no doubt. This year has been just a, a, a tidal wave of um, getting back together again. You know, hey, we're back together as a team. We haven't seen each other in a couple of years. Our leadership team, our executive leadership team, uh, you know, we're all, we're all getting together for our conference or, or whatever meeting it is. And we, you know, we need help. Yeah, we, we need to talk about some things because um, it's different. We're, we're in a new world. We're in a new reality. The workplace is, is, is undergone changes that are really unprecedented, I, I think, um, as far as in my career. Um, so they're, they're facing a lot. And we have been uh, in, 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 our, in our area, in, in my particular team, um, really record-breaking. Uh, you know, we, we can't keep up with it. It's, it's been fantastic to get back out there. You know, with Woo and communication, uh, I love to be in front of a room. I love to, I love to be with people. Uh, and so that's been really fun to travel. You know, the travel is, 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 it comes along with, it can be a little wearing. Um, so be careful what you wish for, but, uh, though it's, it's, it's been busy. It's been busy working on what most people are facing right now, you know, and I think it's important that we, we keep our eye on not just the tried and true best practices about leadership, about, you know, managing people, about employee experience that, that we've known about and studied for decades. But um, what's going on right now? What's on their desk right now? And, and that's mm -hmm. the conversations that are being had. And, and so more of our sessions have been customizing to specific topics that they're facing. 
Yeah, no, no surprise as we looked at the data and launched this brand new Clifton Strengths for Leaders report. We know from it's the manager that our managers, our leaders are under fire. Yeah. Uh, now is the time. Is I mean, every story I read is about burnout or quiet quitting or quiet firing or quiet whatever. You know, yeah. all these things that are happening in the workplace. Right, we're we're in turmoil. And it's really going to be leaders that pull us out of that. Right. I mean, it's yeah. really going to be a leader's responsibility to pull us out of that. But one of the questions, and we just got this on Facebook, like, like 10 minutes ago, the difference between a leader and a manager. And let's talk a little bit about that. And let's set the stage with this is we think about leadership. Everybody always like, Oh, how's that different from being a manager? Uh, Robert, what are your thoughts on that? As you think about those two roles? Hmm. Um, interesting question. I love the question. I actually had to do a session for a client specifically on that. Right. Um, as, as some managers had been promoted to being managers of managers. So now they're considered leaders. Uh, and I think, um, you know, there's so many definitions of, of, of leaders. Uh, I think of it as, you know, when I talk to groups, a leader is definitely not a title. Right. It's not it's not a position in a hierarchy, um, even though I, I think I mentioned earlier, if we were to just look at the masses and say, OK, as a blanket statement, you know, what what is the masses? They look at it as a hierarchy. Right. Leaders are more the executives, the C-suites and the senior vice presidents. And then the managers are kind of below that and, and different companies separate those. So I get that. But, you know, I also especially in, in the time that we're in. You know, one of the things that that I like to differentiate is, you know, managers look more inward, right? It, it's more of the day to day, the people on their teams, the deliverables, um, the getting things done. You know, what's happening um, with projects, with 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 things that are kind of happening within the organization specifically on a more not only a day to day. I mean, managers have to think further out. I get all that, and I think leaders are more responsible for looking outward and what is the community see about that organization what is uh partners um what maybe it, it's governments right maybe it's 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 um you know outside entities and other stakeholders and and of course a lot of the higher level c levels they're really looking at you know what's happening with supply chains and economics and all of those macro things I think that affect the organization is also something that differentiates. But, um, you know, I, I, there was a quote that Peter Drucker had that, that has always stuck with me and that, you know, managers, it's, what do you say? Management is doing things right. Leadership is doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. So I think leaders are really responsible for a lot more of what managers deliver when it comes to things like culture. Right. When it comes to things like mission, like purpose, um, the things that help guide us, leaders are more responsible for painting the, uh, the picture of what is the North Star? How do we make decisions around here? What guides us? And these shouldn't just be words. They shouldn't just be statements. Right. They need to be seen in actions. And so, um, you know, I, I often say, and there was a quote, I think, by John Maxwell, um, if, if you're a leader, but nobody is following you, well, then you're just out for a walk. Mm -hmm. And that's so true, because how many leaders, including yourself, right, don't have direct reports, right? 
it, it, being a leader, I think, is is much more uh, it, it, it not as is much more about the bigger picture, and I think that's apparent than than the tactical. Let's get things done. Um, but I, I think it's an important place, and 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 we we've heard plenty of great quotes about you know in books, you know, leaders eat last, and and all of those things. And one of the things that 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 I also think about when I ask leaders when I'm working with a team of quote unquote leaders and, and I ask them to think about a great leader, someone in their life could be anybody, right? Who inspired them to be their best. What are the characteristics of that person? And when people think about that leader, they think about a lot of different people. They think about friends. They think about coaches. They think about people, colleagues. They think about um, people in their in their um, faith based organ in their faith organizations, right? So what they're thinking about is who has inspired me to be my best. So I often will challenge them and and say, you know, if you're a leader and you don't come to mind when people think about great leaders in their life, then you haven't reached the pinnacle of of your leadership potential. And so um, that's, I mean, that's my, my two cents on how I would differentiate them a, a bit. But, you know, I, I also say managers, a lot of managers are leaders and almost all leaders are in some way or shape or form a manager. And if you look definitionally manager of other people, right, because most leaders do, but not, not all do. I, I think it's more about um, how you inspire people and organizations to reach excellence. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of glad we don't spend a lot of time defining them strictly. I, I see them as two big bubbles that overlap a lot. Definitely. And, and I think the conversation, the coaching conversation that goes on around that of those roles, those responsibility, we see our two reports as two separate roles written and influenced by two different people. Mike McDonald on the management side, mm -hmm. who spends a lot of time thinking about managers and their people and their engagement. And Therese yep. Nisbet, who spends a lot of time coaching like you do spends a lot of time coaching uh, uh, executive uh, executives and leaders in organizations. And yet in your role, you do a little bit of both. You know yeah. how those bubbles kind of, uh, how do they come together? Let me, let me ask you this question on behalf of the certified coaches and coaches in our community. Yeah. We're going to talk a little bit about coaching leaders here a little bit later, but what's the, the, you know, we titled this improving your leadership skills as a coach. How do you think, what, What's important is you're a coach and you're leading others, right? What, what, talk a little bit about how you see that coaching role fit into this, this leadership idea and what kind of leadership do they, does a coach bring to an organization, do you think? Well, I think coaches, you know, when I try to help organizations and when I see other coaches help organization as leaders themselves, um, their heads are up just like a, a again, a leader is, is someone who takes their eyes off of the fire on their desk and, 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 and looks up at the people in front of them. I think coaches, uh, you know, uh, do the same thing. They're there to look at the people. They're there to look at what is really going on, not just in the organization, but with the people. Now, some coaches, you know, um, let's face it, act also as consultants 
right? Where they're the experts and they're going to give advice when it comes to a, you know, a business challenge specifically when it, you know, when it, when it, when it comes to certain structures or technology, but when you're really sitting in the coaching seat, right? You're really thinking about how do we get people to be the best versions of themselves? How do we get them to increase the awareness of their natural talents, how to understand how they've helped them, even through times of change or times of disruption or turbulence or whatever you want to call it. Um, how has that happened? How have they used that before? Um, how might it be getting in their way? The whole idea of helping and hindering and that theme awareness when it comes to our strengths, right? I think is critical right now because, you know, when this first started, it was interesting when this literally within the first month of uh, that March 13 day, I remember thinking and I and I and I talked to Dr. Harder very briefly. As a matter of fact, I think it was just through like a team's chat. And I said, you know, how is this going to play out just just with managing other people when now we've got this move towards things like remote work working? Because some managers are really good naturally and they've developed it and they've worked on it and they're really good at managing people that are sitting in front of them. And now those people are not. They're having to manage them from afar. Some managers may do better at that than they did physically and some may struggle, right? So now we may have a shift in what is a good manager. And he, he, he agreed there, you know, that is yet to be seen. His intuition, and I'm, I don't want to quote him or have anybody write this down and say, this is what Dr. Harder said. Mm -hmm. But when I look back and talk to him and, and, and Dr. Asplund, their sense was, especially, especially Asplund, he said, my sense is people will lean more into their natural talents. They'll lean into their strengths mm -hmm. when they're hit with this, because let's face it, that's where natural talent, that's where our strengths live, right? They live in our limbic system, which is our fight or flight, our natural reaction. Where do we go when things get tough is we go to who we are and, and for the most part, but you know, that varies between, between people, depending upon what's happening. I mean, there's a lot of challenges. They're facing a lot of challenges. Let's talk about those briefly. Talk about this. I don't know if anybody would be shocked by any of these, but as we think about the current environment today, December 2022, let's just let's spend just a few minutes talking about what what are you seeing? What are the, you know, what are the headwinds for our leaders today? You know, let's just say the the, the big word, even though it's overused, is change. Right? We've talked about change management and change transformation and culture transformation. We've talked about that for years and years and years. But you know, if I were to say change, this is change in a different. In a, at a different level, right? This is this is change in, you know, on steroids. It's 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 change to a disruptive, and it's not just COVID. It wasn't just the pandemic. I mean, if you think about the last couple of years, people again thinking as a coach and and directed at, at at what people are going through, which is what leaders should be doing as well. They have to manage the organization. But right now, one of the biggest challenges that they're facing through all of this change is things like a, a, a retention, right? We're losing people, you know, we, the, the whole, like you mentioned, or the great resignation, quiet quitting. I mean, what's the, you know, quiet firing? What's the, what's the term of the month um, that they're having to react to, that they're having to consider, that they're having to learn about because, you know, heaven forbid uh, you're at a, um, you know, a town hall and someone says, 
talk to me about quiet quitting or, or quiet firing. And they don't know what that means or they're not up. They, so they have a lot more on their shoulders besides the, the obvious, you know, I've got remote workers. I've now got a hybrid environment. I don't know what's fair, what's not fair. I've got people that are disgruntled because some get to work from home. Some don't, I've got to come in. Why does that person not blah, blah, blah. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that I'm hearing over and over and over is we're struggling with that. And, and one of the things that I think it boils down to besides the tactical, technical, um, more intentional, if one thing you can do as a coach is get people, get your client to think and you be more intentional about walking them through um, how they've gotten through this, mm. you know, um, because at the pinnacle of all of this, is as we know, one of the most important things that an organization has is its culture, mm -hmm. right? And I, I think there's as many cultures in an organization as there are managers. But if you have a company culture, if you have your mission, vision, and values, whatever you have your, your, your you know, whatever you want to label them, whatever you want to call them, your, your pillars or, or whatever, um, everybody's got their guiding principles and, and all of this, whatever they are, you know, how do you keep them intact when people aren't living them? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, I, Jim, I was at a thing. Um, at a session out on the West Coast, 50 people in the room and about 44, 45 of them, it was the first time they would met their colleagues in person. Mm -hmm. They were, they were um, recruited, hired, onboarded, all online, all virtually. How do you keep culture a part of that? Because people are still, let's face it, onboarding can last 9, 12 months. Some studies say that people are thinking about whether they made the right decision even 18 months into, into the job. Mm -hmm. So how do you keep people feeling that the culture they joined isn't, is, is, it makes sense for them. And I think a leadership's, a leader's responsibility um, weighs a lot into that. And, and that, again, it comes right down to the people, yeah. right? Not just the environment because beanbags and ping pong tables and all of that, that's eye candy. That's not culture. Culture is really how you show up every day and how you live every day. Yeah. Consistent culture, right? It, right. it being consistent across the organization and across teams. Cause if you get to, I mean, yes, the, there's some conversation going on in the chat room. Yes. Managers have a big impact on a company culture, but sure. you leave it up to the individual manager to decide what that culture is going to be. You might have 17 different cultures <laughs> or 20 or as many managers as you have. And I think it's really, really important that we get that we get everybody on the team thinking the same or thinking, living in the same culture. Absolutely, well, and need to ladder the, up, right? Managers yeah. need to ladder up to whatever a company yeah, culture right, is. Right. But you know as well as I do, there are some managers that people want to work for, and there are some that they want to run from. So when I say that managers really have a lot of control over the culture on their team, yeah. it still has to carry out the culture of the company, but how that feels on that team can be, can be very different. Yeah. And we see yeah. that in, in our engagement work, right? We see some teams that have super high engagement, low turnover, low absenteeism, and we see others that have the opposite yet. They're in the same company under the same culture. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think the culture starts and we're going to talk about some considerations as we think about, you know, our, our leadership, our leaders that are out there. But I think that culture starts with onboarding. And I think oh, yeah. coaches have the ability, as we think about, you know, improving our own coaching leadership skills, have an opportunity. I think sometimes we come in and we try to hit the thing midship. You know, we try to hit it right in the middle with strengths and not, not that saying anything is bad, but I think organizations making an organizational impact can start, especially as we've seen, as we think about one of these considerations of massive turnover, in a lot of organizations, you just mentioned it. We're getting back together for the first time. Hey, I even just changed teams at Gallup. And my manager said, do you want to re-onboard yourself? Like maybe there's been enough people coming in. Maybe you should re-onboard. And, I like and that. Robert, how important in, in your work and what you're seeing it, getting that onboarding right, not just for the new folks, but I, I'm even a big advocate for teams re-onboarding now again to say, hey, we've completely changed. Let's onboard. Let's do it as a team so we all know each other. I know. Any thoughts on that? Oh, just I. my only thought is yes, please. <laughs> because uh, I'll never forget the first call I got. Uh, Robert, you've worked with us before. Our team's been away. We're back together. We're live again. We're in, in the office again, but it's different. Yeah. I don't know. And I say, you know what? You're right. It is because guess what? You're different. And yeah. all of those people are different. Everybody, I don't care what you say, has changed over the past two years in some way due to something, you know? And so that's why more than ever you start hearing about well-being. We start hearing about, you know, that the, our, some of our latest work on stress, sadness, anger, worry, being at, at some of their, their highest levels, right. In, in a decade, people are going through it and, and yeah, football players, I'm watching football this Sunday and you've got commercials now and little vignettes on athletes that are coming out saying, you know what? It's okay not to be okay. It's okay. We know that it's been a tough time. We know things have changed. And if we ignore that, then we're ignoring people. We're ignoring our followers, right? We're not doing enough asking. We're not listening with the intent to understand. And then we're not doing anything with that information. And right now, you know, the, the four needs of followers haven't changed, right? People, and, and especially now, compassion, hope stability, and of course, trust. Now, how those are displayed, how those are exemplified may be different than they were, but they're still extremely critical, if not more critical, right? And I'm seeing that the leaders who are showing a little bit more of that, I had a guy that literally said, you know, Robert, before this happened, he's a, he's a, a sales leader. He said, if I had somebody on my team that wasn't making their numbers, one month, okay, two months, three months. I might have said, you know, you better pick up your numbers because there's a lot of people that want this job. Mm -hmm. He said, you know, now when that person came in, I said, how are you? How you doing? This isn't like you. What's anything I can help you with, right? That, that changes how people feel. And when you change how people feel, you change how they perform, right? There's a, there's a direct correlation there. And so 
um, you know, as leaders think about and as the book um, that 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 our CEO uh, John Clifton just put out, you know, it, he made a very good point. We focus in leaders, you know, and I'm talking now. We'll, we'll use the 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 blanket definition, but they talk about and they focus on unemployment rates and CO2 emissions and the financial markets and the size of urban slum populations and market collapses and all of these things that make headlines. But are they studying when anger is rising or when stress mm -hmm. is going up or how people are worrying and, and what the, how is that affecting their organization? It comes down to to the business and they're responsible for that. And I, I tell more and more organizations, sorry to put the onus on you, but especially as Gen Z is coming into the workforce and we already knew it with, with, with millennials, right? They're expecting organizations to be a part of their lives, to be a part of their growth, their development, to be a, to be responsible for their life experience, not just their work experience. Right? I remind, I remind people, I, employees don't come work to work every day. Get that out of your head. The whole person comes to work every day, yeah. and focus on that whole person. You know, otherwise they're not they're not going to be followers. And if you don't have followers, you're not a leader. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Couple couple comments from chat. Let me bring these in because I think they apply. Uh, Sean says, "Hey Robert, great to see you. Can you talk about the combination of strengths and engagement to help organizations deal with both culture and leadership?" So I want to set I want to use that as a setup for Michael's question, which is, would data from the Q12 help leaders identify which aspects of we were talking about re onboarding, right? Which is re engaging really in this in this context that need the most attention as we think about leaders and considerations for those leaders thinking about a new world, so to speak, how might they, as you think about engagement and the work that you're doing, how might they use some of that to re-engage or to re-onboard? Well, you know, how they relate first, you know, uh, we, we've said for a long time that engagement is the why. That's the why performance or outcome, whatever that is, that's the what. And we know higher engagement, the higher the what, the higher the performance. Strengths is one of the hows. Right? All the data connects to each other when people are acting in their strengths and, you know, and doing what they do best. Right. That's on the Q12 cares about me as a person. And the one that that seems to be linking um, most strongly, and we just had a white paper on this, I don't know, maybe a month ago. Uh, is Q10, right? My best, the best friend at work and how people are losing that feeling of connection with their colleagues. And some of them, when they get there, I, I've, I've gone to some, some uh, results briefings with the executive team. They, oh, our Q10 has gone down. Does that mean people don't like each other anymore? And I reminded them the Q12 you know, results, it's not a report card. It's a compass. If there's a reason why things go up or down, take those into consideration. Tell me why Q10 may have gone down. Didn't you say earlier this morning that 40% of your workforce has never even met each other in person? 
do you think maybe that affected this best friend at work question? Oh, yeah, that's possible. They haven't had a chance to form friendships. They haven't had a form to, to get that support, to, to feel those connections. And, and it's really hard. And I think I advise that coaches help organizations think of intentional ways. And I have a variety of tactical things that, that, I, that I do or suggest of how you get people connected on a human level. We have to bring humanity back. We've lost some of that. We just have. And we've gotten back and a lot of companies have gotten into the, wow, well, we lost money. We lost revenue. We had to lay people off. We had to close stores. And they're looking at their numbers and they're looking at their financials and they're not looking at their people. And they just have to. Though that's going to, in my opinion, that's going to make or break um, the companies that are successful moving forward. But those are some of the questions I would look, some of the Q items that I would look, they're not questions. I always say that. Like I, I, I call them questions and there's not a question mark in any of them. They're statements that you agree or disagree with. But I would say those are, 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 are key. But Q10 on the onboarding one is how do you connect people? And so more and more assign them a buddy. Mm -hmm. assign them a mentor, have someone that they check in with personally that they can talk with and vent with and ask where the files are or whatever. Right. And, 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 and feel like they don't have to go and wonder who I talk to and feel weird about it, that they've got a buddy. It's the buddy system. It's been around forever. We did it in first grade. Mm -hmm. It works. Yeah. It was an important concept in the military <laughs> when I was there. Right. You're, 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 we called them ranger buddies, right? There was yeah. somebody, it was your, somebody who had your back. Right. Um, I have, I have to admit, Robert, I gave up on that, uh, during the pandemic, I was really good about, I latched onto a few people. We set up Friday happy hours that were virtual. So Friday at four, Friday at four 30, we'd get together on zoom, you know, enjoy a beverage, whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I did that consistently. And there were some folks every Tuesday morning, I would call someone like these very consistent things as we came out and, uh, it, well, in the last year, regardless of where we are, right, in this pandemic thing, I thought it was over. I thought the war was over. I was like, oh, yeah, I don't need these anymore. And I canceled them. And it was a huge. Now, today, I'm seeing that was a huge, gigantic mistake because I haven't replaced them. I've been going in more often, but I haven't replaced those times with, I haven't found, I haven't been intentional about finding new connections in that. And it's, it's affected me in some ways. I'm like, oh, I'm kind of not connected like I used to be. Or I don't have this buddy, so to speak, that I used to have. And I think as we think about considerations, yes, there's been all this change. I think some folks have wanted to go back, and maybe this was my case. I wanted to go back. I was ready to go back. Okay, I'm ready to go back to the way it was. That way is gone, right? You know? Oh, yeah. That, you know what? You're, you're, and your natural inclination, as, as people have, and I've seen out there, and I, I pose the question, um, you know, we, we may feel like we're out of the pandemic, mm -hmm. but is the pandemic out of you? And, and it really isn't out of, out of anybody and it may never be, or it may not be for a long time, but I've also heard that, you know, sometimes things like this get people to band together. Mm -hmm. And I've heard just, just yesterday. We were talking, I was talking with the university and he said, you know, we came out of this as a stronger team, as a stronger organization. I said, yeah, some do. It's called post-traumatic growth because when disruption or, or, or something happens, what happens is people hit this, they, you know, hit this, right. 
and they start getting the, the, these feelings. Um, and they range from just, you know, I'm at baseline functioning and then this event happens and now I'm vulnerable and I start going into feeling helpless and hopeless. And then I kind of learn how to function and now I improve my functioning and I'm getting back up. Right. And some people get back up, but they never get back up to baseline. That's called basically PTSD. And they stay there. Some people get back up to baseline and kind of like what most people do, literally, I think 60%, 62%, just kind of get back to homeostasis. But there's about 20% that go and actually come out of it better to have grown, learned, and developed. And that's called post-traumatic growth. And there's a lot of stuff out there on this. This isn't a, a Gallup thing. Um, but when that happens, it's because people were also very intentional. You have to be intentional. Like I use that word more and more and more. When we started this, our team, I came up with something I called um, Take Five. And it came off of a thing that I did with my college roommate, Greg Goodrich. And Greg and I we got caught in that, you know, we'd see, we'd see our, the name pop up on our phone. And I'd say, oh, I haven't talked to Greg in forever, but I just don't have that time right now because it's going it's gonna to be, be a conversation. Mm-hmm. So I would hit decline. And he said, man, I do the same thing with you. <laughs> and I said, well, why do we do that? How about we make a rule? When I see your name, I'm going to answer it. Five minutes is the time limit. I don't care if we're in the middle of a sentence. We say, okay, five minutes is up. Goodbye. See ya. And we're off. No hard feelings. Yeah. And we started doing that. And next thing you know, we were talking every week, sometimes multiple times a week. And so our team started doing that. It was, you have to do two take fives with a colleague every week. 10 minutes a week. So no one, if you say you don't have time to do that, you've got other problems, mm-hmm. right? And so we started doing that as a team. And I started reaching out and doing take fives with people in Asia, in Europe, people that I had never actually talked to one-on-one. Five minutes, got to know them a little bit. It kept us connected through that. And yeah, we started to kind of ease off of it as we got busy. But there's a few of us that still do, you know, you'll, you'll see the little Microsoft uh, teams come up, take five question mark. Sure. I got, I've got five minutes. I can back away from this yeah. PowerPoint I'm doing. And those five minutes or at the beginning of a meeting, everybody go into a breakout room, take five minutes, talk about the most positive thing you did this weekend. We have to get back to, to those things. And because what yeah. happens is, you know, people are saying, you know, we get on our calls, we get to zoom. It's like, okay, what's the first thing on the agenda? And we're not doing that pre-meeting connecting that we used to do around the conference table. I love setting that expectation. It's five minutes. Like I love take five. We call them quick connects in our structure, right? Of the five coaching conversations. We call those quick connects. But I love setting that five minute idea like, hey, this is just going to be a five minute call. It's not, we're not going to go on forever here. In, in, I think for leaders helping their teams know, yeah, this is just a five minute call. I'm just checking in. Like, I just want to know how you're doing. I want five minutes of you telling me how you're doing is a little bit different than can you meet with me? Right. Because how, how everybody gets a little sideways when a leader says you got, you know, you got a few minutes, right? Oh, of Uh, course uh, I do. Of course I do. Right. But we've (laughs) also gotten, gotten, we've also gotten, um, kind of chained to the fact that because we have, you know, outlook, everything has to be 30 or 60 minutes. Right. Right. No, that's a good point. They don't. And they don't even have to be calls and they don't have to be zoom calls. Remember when we used to use that thing called the phone? (laughs) I'm terrible at that. (laughs) You know, it's like, we feel like every time now, well, it's gotta be a 
Teams call. It's got to be a Zoom call. I've got to turn like my doing, camera on. Doing this is wrong somehow. You know, when you bring the phone up to your face. I know, you know? right? <laughs> I think John, even John Clifton, had said something somewhere. Call each other. Yeah. Right. Just stop right. the IMing and stop the yeah. texting and stop the the yeah. email chains. Call somebody and say I have a quick question. Mm-hmm. My rule with Take Five was can't talk about anything work related. Mm. And once in a while, I'll get a, can we do a take 50? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need them. You need, you them. need those too. You, you but, but you have to be intentional. And, and I always, I, I think as a coach, when I also coach leaders, I remind them because most of them have the poorest excuse. I don't have time. Mm-hmm. And I say, you know how you can make time, schedule an hour with nothing. Schedule an hour for yourself every week, just like it's a meeting and take time to think, write a note, jot down or whatever. The one of our former clients who's now runs the Bellagio Hotel sends an email to thousands of employees every morning. He's done it for almost 20 years. And it's from him. It's two sentences. It's here's my thought of the day. And they all feel like they're at least a little connected in where other people are like, I have never received a direct email or even a blanket email from my CEO if it's not something that's a policy or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes it's just don't forget to smile today. Have a great one. <laughs> yeah. You thought of yeah. I don't know. It's a it's a touch base. We we hear from John and Jim, you know, uh, pretty All frequently in our organization, so. right? Yeah, and it's great it's great to hear from them, um, unless you've done something wrong. The no, <laughs> just kidding. Um, as we think about coaching leaders, and I kind of want to think in this last segment about some 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 helpful thoughts for coaches listening as we're coaching leaders. Teresa kicks us off nicely with a question she asked in the beginning, and she said. When leaders say one thing and then behave differently, i.e. we're an organization that supports women and minorities, but treat people differently, how can we help managers lead from the middle? Like when we think about that consistency problem, that might be we have, yes, we have this stated culture, but the leadership is not matching that culture. How as coaches can we help? And maybe even in our own coaching practice, we say one thing and we actually coach differently. But oh, yeah. how do we how do we how do we deal with that inconsistency, Robert? What do you think? You know, I say get behind the words. Right? Mm-hmm. I'll ask I'll ask um, some of my clients, uh, how do you approach leadership? Write down three words that describe how you approach leadership. And they'll write those words down. I'll say, okay, now I want you. And, and if I'm doing this with a group, the one thing we immediately find is that they're all positive words, almost. And they're all very different, right? So we approach it differently. And that's okay. There's no one way to approach leadership, right? You have to do it the way that comes most naturally to you. But I'll say, out of those three words, circle the one that you would say your team or people in your organization if they had to vote, which one would they say they see in your behavior most often? Mm-hmm. And now I want you to talk about what is that behavior specifically? Give me an example of a time you did X, Y, or Z. Because when people say, I'm caring, I go, but that doesn't tell me 
anything about your, does that mean you hugs in the hallway? I, I don't know what that means. What do you do to show people you care? I'm trusting. How do you know people trust you? Some people trust you unless you give them a reason not to. Other people don't trust you unless you give them a reason to. Do you know who those people are? No. Then how do you know that you're being trusted, right? So I think it's it's what is the behavior behind the word? Stephen Shields, one of my colleagues who you know and love very dearly, he's he calls them filmable moments. What is the filmable moment? My, my whole thing is we... As, as leaders, managers, however you want to phrase it, one of, our one of our responsibilities is to create memorable moments. Now, we have thousands of experiences every day. Some of those are memorable. What makes some of them memorable, right? Because when we have memorable moments, it gives us the content to tell stories. And so when I ask leaders the profound question or I put the statement to them, you know, whether you like it or not, inevitably you are the conversation at dinner tables of the people that work for you at some point, mm -hmm. right? How's that going? Well, the stories they're telling aren't based on the words that you wrote or something you said or they might be because you're not showing them in your behaviors. So I say, get rid of the words. What are the behaviors? When I asked a manager, I told you this the other day, I said, he said, I need you to work with my team. I said, well, what, what is something you need from them? He said, I, I think if I had to put it in one thing, it'd be collaboration. And I said, okay. And I could have easily thought, okay, I'm going to go off and talk about collaboration. But instead I stopped and I asked him, what does collaboration mean to you? What does it look like? And he thought for a second and he thought for a second and he kind of struggled. He said, you know, Robert, I guess I just, I just want them to do what I tell them to do. <laughs> I kid you not. And it's like, when people say words, they're just words. Walk the walk. Ask them to give a specific example. If I'm coaching, I don't say, oh, well, I show people this. I say, no, give me an example of what you did yesterday. What have you done in the last seven days to invest no. in someone? And if they can't give me an example, I say, when we talk next week, I want you to have three examples. Because they think they're doing it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you got a great question there, which is, well, so what does that look like? So as a coach helping a leader and a leader is saying, I'm looking for, in this case, collaboration. And you said, well, what does that look like? That's a great question. What other kind of questions do you, could coaches, they, they love it. The coaching community love it when we give them some questions to add in that, in that context, what, what could coaches be asking leaders to help tease some of those, those things out? You think? Um, lately it's been, when it comes to things like we're in kind of this new world, um, I'll ask them to talk about, you know, how did you, how did you lead in the past? What were your success? How, how are you successful in the past? If I've got the picture cards and I'm with them physically, I'll say, pick out a picture, you know, the picture cards mm -hmm. of that represents how you led in the past. And one it of can of, be any pictures, by the way, it doesn't pictures. have to be ours yeah. cards, but no, any, could be any. here's, here's 20 pictures, whatever. And they may pick it and they'll tell me, tell me what this represents. And then how are you leading now? Mm -hmm. 
what is the difference? Is there a difference? In my opinion, there should be not a major difference because you shouldn't stray from how you lead authentically. But there should be, a, I think there should be a little bit more leaning towards I'm showing more compassion. And this is also what I'm hearing when I ask what's, what's been successful for you. I'm showing more compassion. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm listening more. And then, of course, I get into, okay, so let's look at, you know, let's look at your strengths. What strengths are you leaning into? in order to do that, in order to make that shift. What strengths, um, I'll ask in general, when they forget about their strengths because their desk is on fire and they're thinking about all of these other things, I go, okay, let's come back to you. What strengths did you lean into to navigate this disruption? What helped you through it? Because I remember when Jim said, you know, people I think will go deeper into their strengths. Some people think, no, you'll go to different strengths. And I think, I don't know. I think you go deeper, deeper into the ones that you already have, because that's what our brains do. Um, that's kind of how they're wired. They just go to places that maybe we don't normally go. And then I get them to really think about where did they lean to get through this? Is it, you know, with me, it was futuristic was probably the, the number one thing I had to look towards what it was going to be like at some point. Right. And I had to maybe turn down my maximizer because every day was not going to be perfect. So when you get them talking about some of those languages and realizing what did they do to get through it? Great. We always like to look back at when we were, were successful and then how do you apply that knowledge moving forward? Right. Mm -hmm. So those are those are some some questions um, that I'll use just tying them to strengths, but getting them again to always just think about how they've how they've done it in the past, how are they doing it now? And, or if they're not, what, what needs to happen? Yeah. I, I think if I were to take away from what I've heard you saying today, the question that comes to my mind to a, to a leader, to a manager is what kind of culture are you trying to create? And what does that actually look like? Like, what are the outcomes of that? What, what kind of behaviors are, are you, are you doing as well as the, the, the behaviors of your team, what does that actually mean? I mean, I think that's what I, that's a long question. I would just say, what kind of culture are you trying to, are you trying to be individually? What kind of leadership culture um, do you have? Sean asked this great question. I think he says, what would you say is the biggest consistent pitfall this leader fall into that they don't realize? I mean, some of the problems are pretty obvious for some leaders. They're not Robert. You've worked with leaders around the globe. What do you think, so we think about those pitfalls, but what are the ones they don't realize and they need help with? They may need, need a coach to, to, to maybe help discover some of those, do you think? First thing that comes to my mind is listening. Mm. They, they tend to react and go to what they think is best, what they think is right, what they want to happen. And they start focusing on themselves and they take their eyes off of the people. What do the people need, right? I mean, even Q12, it's all about the needs of employees. Well, that is important. A leader's responsibility is to meet the needs of the people. And when they start thinking about their own needs, I get anxiety. I don't feel uncomfortable if I can't see everybody every day. Get over it. Check your ego at the door and think what's best for the people. Maybe they've got situations at home. Maybe they're actually more productive working in a hybrid situation. 
Have you even taken the time to care or notice? Have you talked to them? Have you asked them? Have you trained your managers how to do that? Right. I, I get it. A leader can't talk to every person in an organization unless you're in a very small organization, but they definitely can filter down beyond their circle because I get a lot of leaders that say, oh, well, I, I communicate that. And I'll ask them, who do you communicate that to? Most of the time it's to their circle but they're not taking the time to make sure that's cascading down to others. Mm -hmm. So I would say that they're not. And, and sometimes a gentleman president of an organization, a very large organization, new president, he came in, took off the big mahogany doors for the, the president's office and ditched, ditched the, the Armani suits and all of the images and went out and sat in a cube in jeans in the middle of the floor because he wanted to be around the people and have the mm -hmm. opportunity to swivel his chair every once in a while and talk to people. Mm -hmm. That to me is great leadership. And he listened. He was a coach. Yeah. I think, I think it's not just managers need to be better coaches. Leaders need to be better coaches. Mm -hmm. Think of the best leaders in, in, in some, you know, think of, People like Vince Lombardi's and, and, and Phil Knight's. I mean, they weren't just great coaches. They were great leaders of people. Yeah. No, I, I, I love that this in my head, this idea of listening because of the clues to what you need to lead and the way you need to lead. The clues are all around you. Oh, if, yeah. you're not, if you're not listening, you're not picking up on those, those clues. Yeah. Since going back into the office, I've actually been moving my seat around to the various teams that I work with. So sometimes I'm in, we have enough, we have enough desks. <laughs> I can work from anywhere. Right. And so I'll spend some time in my old location. I'll go up to the comms team and marketing, which I spent some time with. Now the old team has moved to another floor and they're, they're saying, Hey, come up and hang out with us <laughs> for a while. Like we want to, we want you to spend some time. Well, in those moments when I'm there, I hear these conversations that go on, right? Now, I'm not directly responsible for those conversations, but if I was, I would. that's the place I would want to be. I would yeah. want to be hearing those things um, that are around me. Um, Michael has a great question. He says, as a solopreneur coach uh, who's not working with employees, but is coaching clients who are leaders, what leadership skills might be the most salient for me to develop? So he's kind of thinking about, what kind of skills should I develop when I'm, when I'm coaching as a solopreneur coach? What do you think? You know, I, I would start, I like to start with the, with the, with the four needs of followers. Mm. You know, if you think of trust, stability, compassion, and hope, just those four to coach somebody through, how are you building trust? What are you doing? Right. How are you showing compassion? You can't create compassion. You can't create hope. You have to build it. Right. And, and so when you start looking at those, how are you providing stability? How is that being communicated? But what's being done that makes people feel more stable? Because when they have to answer the hard questions of what does what are you doing? What is being done? What is specific? Not just, well, I'm thinking about it more, or I'm going to do this, or I've got a plan, or um, I'm communicating more. What, what does that mean? More than what? Get specific. But I think the four needs are a great place to start. I mean, you know, we, we have, you know, um, seven competencies of great leadership. 
and they get a little bit more granular into like building relationships, inspiring others. I mean, there's, there's some things that go deeper there, but man, just the four needs, if, if, if you can get those right and do those well, you're, you're going to go so far, you know? And, mm -hmm. and, and I guess the other thing is getting them to look up, look up and out because they're so busy. Their desks are so on fire. Their schedules are so crowded that they're not looking out and they're not walking the floors and they're not going into the factories. And so I think, I think I would, I would push in that direction if I was coaching somebody. I mean, and I, I am, and I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, good advice. We, your friend, uh, Dr. Jacqueline Robinson and I are spending some time um, uh, thinking about this on the new Clifton Strengths, season two of the Clifton Strengths podcast by theme. So we're talking about how these themes play leadership or le lead leading roles that work by theme, some things they can look out for, some things that they can enhance. And then how does that fit into the manager report or as a manager is kind of the way I think I might start saying that. And in, in influence sales, right? W what kind of things do I influence? So just some resources for you there, Michael, um, as well. Those will start coming out live here uh, early January uh, on the Clifton Strengths podcast channel. Uh, that's a shameless plug for that. Uh, um, shameless. Jacqueline, Jacqueline does such a great job on that. I'm looking at my background. I tried to match your background, Jim. And it, you, I, it, I'm, I apologize, okay. folks, if it's a little distracting with this white <laughs> thing that pops up above my head. But no worries. No worries. Jim, I just don't have the fireplace, but I was able to, you know, kind of get the yeah, dark wood close. books in the background for you. So you got close. I like it. Robert, any final thoughts uh, for you as we kind of wrap this, as we bring this in for a landing? Final thoughts and that you want to leave the audience with? You know, I. I, I guess just, I love what you're doing. Thanks for what you're doing. Yeah, the world needs it more than ever right now. Um, you know, I, 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 like, I like to think of, when we think of strengths, one of the quotes from M.D. Um, uh, Arnold, who was a, a 17th century or 18th century physician and, and psychologist or psychiatrist, studied mental health early on. Um, his quote was, as a good leader leads the people from above them, a great leader leads the people from within them. Mm. And I think that, again, comes to this individualization of, of, of others. And, and you're going to get the most out of people when you know them and can, um, and, and can inspire them based upon what inspires them. If you don't think your people are motivated, ask them what motivates them, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't know what inspires them, yeah. ask them about someone who's inspired them in the past and, and learn what that is. Those are my closing I like, thoughts. I like it. I like it. Good stuff. Well, thank you for doing this, Robert. Great to have Absolutely. you back. I'll need to figure out a ways to squeeze you back in on the schedule here as we think about 2023. Always great. You're in high demand. And very busy. Uh, my so. calendars are. I'm looking at this morning, going, "Oh my gosh, how are uh, we gonna juggle all these?" Uh, anyway, no, it's good. It's, well, it's, it's a good to problem to have, right? Yeah, yeah. We're helping the world. No, right on, right on. I people have said to me a lot. Oh, you know, a lot of the great folks you had in twenty in 2020, we haven't seen them in a while. And I'm like, they got really busy. And 2020 was a magical for me from a leadership perspective. It was magical because I could bring on the. You know, we were we had some time. And yeah. so I could bring on some great, some of the best webcasts we've done besides this one is what's done <laughs> in 2020. Right. 
and uh, some great information there. So uh, if you're listening live, I want to remind you to take full advantage of all the resources we do have available. And Robert mentioned a lot of them, including um, our book, Strengths-Based Leadership, still available. If you want to get four needs of followers, super important. It's available on our store. Go to store.gallup.com. For for resources and Gallup access, just head out to gallup.com slash Strengths. Log in. Hit the resources tab from the menu in the upper left, and uh, we have a ton of stuff for you out there. Yeah, shameless plug for yep. Blindspot. I mean, it really gets down oh, to what's yep. happening right now with well-being and what the what the world is struggling with. Yeah, and and maybe what That's every what coach should know about that, right? I think it's as much of a coaching book. We interviewed Absolutely. John four weeks ago on Call to Coach. That'll be coming uh, here in a couple of weeks uh, into the Call to Coach channel. But he talks about that directly in coaches. So. Okay. Uh, yeah, don't miss out on that book for coaching, master coaching, or if you want to become a Gallup certified strengths coach, you can send us an email or any questions coaching at gallup.com. Stay up to date on everything that's going on uh, around our webcasts, gallup.eventbrite, sign up for an account and then follow us gallup.eventbrite.com. Don't forget to come to the summit. It's virtual and in person this year. Details yeah. gallupatwork.com. Yeah. Maybe I'll get to see you in person for a change. Yeah. Uh, while we're there, which is great. It's going to be as much of a Gallup reunion for a lot of us uh, as it is a, a summit. I want to thank you for coming out. Oh, by the way, find us anywhere on social by searching Clifton Strengths. want to thank you for coming out and joining us today th- and, and appreciate your conversations. Uh, have a great week, everybody. And with that, we'll say goodbye, everybody. All right. Take care. Be well. <laughs>